Previously on the show, as Gabriel roams the town streets, he noticed an increase in strength when he gets in a fight with another man. He then felt at home at a brothel where he met the most beautiful girl he'd ever seen, and her name was Marie Magdalene. Season 1, Episode 6, Take Me Back. After a week living in between dirt roads, stealing other people's money and animals to feed on, Gabriel uses more of his stolen coins to go see Marie Magdalene than using the coins to eat. He figures that if he was stealing food, it was because he was lazy, as he can easily use his advanced survival skills to hunt anything that he wanted if he put his mind to it. However, even if he had coins to spare, Marie Magdalene would not sleep with him unless he was clean, well presented, and didn't stink. So, Gabriel's challenge was never finding food or money. His biggest challenge was finding wells that he could use to pour water in buckets to bathe. He had plenty of soap, but hardly any clean water to bathe or to wash his few set of hooded clothes. All wells were also carefully and heavily guarded, not by locals, but by armored guards. Roman-like guards and Gable did not want to ever cause a scene. The less people knew about him, the better it was for him. It's nighttime, way after most locals have fallen to sleep, and the sky is lit by the stars. Gable wanders and finds himself walking into someone's desert farm. A small farm, an acre or two, no more than that. Horribly kept, but with a dozen sheep and half a dozen cows. Gable sees that the animals kept close to a very small wooden home where through the openings of a window, he could see that there was a small bong fire. The small orange flames lit the inside of a peaceful broken home. Gabriel approaches the animals cautiously to avoid startling whomever might be inside. Like a wolf hunting for prey, none of his steps make a sound. Gabriel approaches the furthest sheep from the house, which seems not shy to separate from the rest. He doesn't need his knife to make it quick. He knows that if he gets a good grab of the wool, He'll snap the sheep's neck before anyone inside the home notices someone ever stole it. As Gabriel is just about to jump on her, he listens to a voice that says, If you asked, I would have just given her to you. Gabriel turns and in a split second sprawls behind the man and gets him into a chokehold. As he feels the neck, he notices he's just an unarmed boy. A teenager, maybe. No more than 17. Before the boy passes out, Gabriel says, I could break your neck, and you're done. I'm going to take that animal, whether you want it or not. If I let go, will you let me be? The boy, who is seconds away from fainting and can't speak, nods his head to agree. Gabriel lets go and the boy falls down on his knees, gasping for air. As he quickly feels better, the boy says, She's blind and deaf, useless. Take her if you'd like. Gabriel pauses, smirks, and he claps. All other animals either run or startle, and the sheep in front of him stay still. He stands in front of her. The sheep looks up, as if she feels something close. Then, Gabriel lifts his fist, swings his arm down, and punches her face so hard that the sheep's head bounces off the ground and never knew what hit her. The boy looks at what just happened and says, How did you do that? Gabriel replies with, 
So, who are you? I'm Simon, he says. This is my home. It's not much now, but it used to be. I inherited this small farm from my father, whose job was to bring food and milk to the commander and his soldiers. Since my mother and father died of leprosy, soldiers don't come here anymore thinking they're going to be infected. I'm clean, but I don't know how to run this farm. I've seen you in town, eating through the garbage. I could offer you shelter in my old barn in return for help. Gabriel says, I don't need shelter. Simon says, I have money. Gabriel, I can take your money. Simon, but you won't. Gabriel then says, I'm now taking the sheep and your money and I'm gone, boy. Simon quickly interrupts. I have a well inside the barn. Let's make a deal. Stay in the barn. Help me raise the cattle. Shave off the wool from the sheep. Milk the cows. Grow some food in this forsaken dirt. In return, you can have the well, the barn, and two coins per week. I think we both need to get our lives back. You can leave whenever you want, too. What do you say? Gable responds. Let's gut this pig. Simon says, it's a sheep. Gable whispers, I know. Months pass, and Gable settles fine inside of Simon's barn. A small wooden barn, the ground carries a thick layer of hay spread out evenly. It smells like a farm barn would, the subtle smell of dirt and old hay. Nothing uncomfortable. A dark brown donkey, it's always tied to a wood column in one of the corners inside a tiny stable. He is the most docile donkey a man could find. He is used to plow the soil. One sheep and a goat sleeps there too. Gabriel lets the animals in and out as they please, as long as they don't use the barn to pee or defecate. The water well sits in the middle of the barn. It's Gabriel's pride and joy. He sleeps on top of hay wrapped with rope, covered by a layer of wool in a corner where the only window is. It's the most peaceful and safe place Gabriel found since he arrived the village. No one ever comes, for everyone knows the story of how Simon's parents died. Gabriel helps Simon get the farm back together a little bit at a time. Every new month, the farm has new life. Carrots and potatoes are growing. They've added chickens, and they grow and cook their own food. Their agreement is fair. Gabriel has shelter, and Simon hopes to one day bring back business to the farm. They both have supper every evening inside Simon's home. They work together like partners, but they hardly ever speak. Once a week, Gabriel leaves in the evening, walks for two and a half hours to meet Marie Magdalene, and comes back drunk and happy as he can be. Simon couldn't care less. One night, during one of the few conversations with Simon, Gabriel asks, I've been here for months now, and never care to ask. Who are those guards that I see from time to time? They're always guarding water. They have heavy armor. They look like knights. Simon replies, Romans, soldiers of the commander. Gabriel, Romans? He pauses, takes a couple of bites from the tasty meat of a goat. Romans? Suddenly, Gabriel cares to ask something he never thought of before. What year is this? Simon says, I'm not sure I understand the question. Gabriel tries to ask similar questions to the ones he asked Maria months ago, and she couldn't answer. 
is this planet Earth? And Simon had no answer. Looked at Gabriel as if he was crazy. Gabriel ponders. It has to be. Fucking Romans. It's just not the same year. I have to go, Gabriel says. Gabriel takes off on his two and a half hour walk through the desert town to his favorite place to meet her again. The music and the environment always brings a smile to Gabriel's face. And like a schoolboy, Gabriel feels excited to go back. Calmly and mysteriously, he always goes in. And like a regular that follows the rules and gives no one any trouble, he is greeted and welcomed to come inside. He meets the same bartender, asks for the same drink, and asks for the same girl. The bartender tells Gabriel to wait. He leaves for about five minutes and comes back to tell Gabriel he has to wait an hour for Marie Magdalene. Gabriel patiently waits while he drinks wine. Almost exactly an hour later, Marie Magdalene comes out from in between the crowd. She moves through the people, and both men and women can't avoid watching her beauty. She always wears clothes no other woman could ever own, much less find. Reds and purples this time, flashy gold earrings, multiple gold necklaces with gems and jiggly gold bracelets. She is always the star of the show the moment she comes out. She walks with purpose, determined and locking eyes with Gable from across the way. Gable is far beyond drunk already. Eyes half closed, he stands. As Marty grabs his cup, drinks whatever is left in it and says, You can't keep coming here without notice, Gabriel. You get me excited. We have to be quick. I'm expecting someone. Gabriel says, I'll pay you triple this time. Marty then says, This time it doesn't matter. So, are we going to talk or are we going to fuck? Marty takes Gabriel by the hand and rushes him through the crowd into a pathway upstairs into a private room behind closed wood solid doors. They quickly and aggressively start grabbing, kissing, and taking each other's clothes off, not wasting any time, and they get into it like they always do. An hour feels like 20 minutes when they're together, as they lay naked on top of each other, enjoying each other's bodies for a moment of peace. They have a couple of minutes to converse. She tells Gabriel he has to go. Gabriel then says, Come away with me. She caresses his face and says, Where to? Gabriel replies, Anywhere you like. She then says, Yes, I would love to, but I can't. Gabriel says, Why not? Marty, because I can't. Gabriel, with me, everything is possible. Marty says, How's that? Gabriel, because. Marty interrupts, Don't say it. Gabriel, but I do. Marty, just don't say it. Gabriel then says, How about you? The sounds of horns interrupt their conversation. Marie Magdalene quickly jumps out of bed and starts putting her clothes on. She rushes and says, Gabriel, you must go now. He's here. Gabriel, I don't give a fuck. Who's here? Marie, the commander, Gabriel. The commander, he's here. He owns this place. He owns me. He owns everything. We can talk about this tomorrow. Just hurry up and leave. He only comes when he wants to see me. You have to go now. Gabriel is now angry and asks, Who the fuck is this commander? Marty screams, Pontius! Pontius Pilot the commander! Who do you think? Gabriel, So, if I kill this commander, would you come with me? 
Marie. Gabriel, you're drunk. Come back tomorrow. I won't charge you. But you have to leave now or you will die. Gabriel, all right, all right, I'll go. Gabriel grabs his clothes, walks out of the room naked and disappears within the crowd. The horns sound again with the sound of glory. The sound of attention echoes through all the hallways and passages. Everyone is ordered to come out to meet at the center of the brothel. People quickly gather to welcome Poincius. Six guards walk in. These are not the typical guards that one can see guarding whales daily. These guards are much heavily armored, with thicker metal vests and embossed figures of horses on their torsos. They wear Roman helmets and wide red capes, and they carry three and a half long shiny swords attached to their hips. The crowd opens up and gives room for them to come in. Everyone quiets down. One guard approaches the center. He screams proudly. I'm here to announce and welcome the commander of the largest army in the world, Rome's highest military intelligence, our commander and right hand to the emperor, Poincius Pilot. No one speaks. No one applauds. Deep and hollow horse steps echoes the space. Poincius Pilot comes in, mounted on a high-armored and beautifully lathered brown horse. Poincius is young, 35 years of age at most. Average in height, short brown hair and olive skin. Serious and focused look on his face, covered in all gold armor, followed by a red cape that is long enough to cover almost the entire rear of his horse. He is muscular, carrying his royal helmet under one arm, guiding his horse with another. His heavy gold vest armor is embossed with the face of the emperor of Rome, Tiberius Caesar. Everyone bows their heads out of fear and respect. He stops, looks around slowly, and right before he's about to say something, a loud sarcastic laugh hides from the crowd. <laughs> Gabriel comes out from a corner in his black hooded clothes. Everyone turns their head to look at a crazy man who is stupid to laugh and interrupt the commander. Gabriel then says, Anyone in a shiny dress with a picture of a man in the chest, is someone's bitch. People cannot believe the words that come out of the man in black. Poincius takes a calm, deep breath, puts his helmet on, and calmly says, Bring me his head. All six guards quickly take out their swords, and before any of them can take a step forward, Gabriel rushes with incredible speed and cuts the hand of the first guard with his knife grabbing his sword, chopping his body, cutting through the thick metal armor diagonally with a single swing. Before the top half of the body falls in the ground, Gabriel swings his sword again, splitting another guard's head in two pieces, quickly lifting the sword and jumping towards the third guard, ramming it down his sternum and having it come out his lumbar spine. He leaves the sword penetrated, as now the blood of three dead men pour the ground, leaving a pool of blood formed in the blink of an eye. The horse neighs and stands on his back legs as Gable dodges a sword swing from a fourth guard, easily removing his sword once again, swinging it three times and cutting three more bodies in half as if cutting a melted block of butter. Everyone goes psychotic in the room. Their screams scare the horse mounted by a commander trying to control a beast as Gable swings his sword again, cutting out the horse's head. Blood squirts to the crowd as the heavy body of the horse falls on top of the commander, pinning his body against the ground. The body 
of a royal stallion horse twitches on top of a man struggling to get out to put on a fight, but is now defenseless on the ground. Gabriel approaches Pontius slowly now, holding the head of his horse, whose eyes are rolled back, tongue is hanging out, and blood drips down to the ground. Pontius looks at a calm man getting closer and desperately screams, Anyone who kills this man will have land, gold, and women for life, and through five generations. Everyone stops and listens, but no one moves. Gabriel laughs and says, He who approaches me will have the wrath of God descend upon him. He now gets close to the powerless commander and lifts the head of his horse. He presses it, and blood pours down, covering all shine of gold. It gets into Pointe's eyes and his whole face is painted in red. Gabriel drops the head and it splats in the bloody ground, removes Pontius' royal sword easily from under the horse's body. Pontius, defeated, looks at the devil in the face and says, Who the hell are you? Gabriel replies in English with, I'm from the future, motherfucker. Slowly lifts his sword as some of the people start kneeling, whispering that he spoke in tongues. And right before he swings down, he listens to a woman that shouts, I'll leave with you. And he stops, looks back and sees Marie Magdalene. She says, let him go, Gabriel, and I'll leave with you. She gets closer slowly, scared of what she sees, but approaches nonetheless. She then says, I'll leave with you because I do too. Gabriel kneels down. He gets his face close to Pontius and says, Go back to your emperor. Tell him you met me. Tell him I own this place now. And if he wants me, I'll be right here. Gabriel drops the sword, walks towards Mary Magdalene, puts both of his bloody hands on her face, kisses her and says, Stay here, my love. Clean up. I'll be back tomorrow, and a new life will begin for us. And walks out into the night. As Gable takes his long walk back to the farm, a sense of pride and victory is felt with smiles in the dark. He laughs, sings. He stops, looks at the night sky, appreciates a space full of stars. As he witnesses a shooting star that lights the path for a quick second. And the quick light makes Gabriel notice what looks like Three migrating men resting on the ground along with their three camels, witnessing the same perfect scene. As one of them says, Today is the day. And Gable replies with, Yes, it is. My day indeed. Gable is still lightly drunk. He walks and laughs and sings into the night. Less than a quarter mile from the farm, he takes his clothes off, drops it in the grass, extends his arms and looks up. He takes a piss and he smiles at the night in victory. But then Gabriel can hear screams. Similar screams he heard once before from a woman being attacked. As Gabriel quickens his pace, he can tell the screams are coming from his barn. So he runs. As he gets closer, he sees Simone in the barn helping a woman giving birth, screaming her lungs out surrounded by curious animals. Simone tries to push the animals away to give the woman some room, but it's hard to do everything at once. Gable from afar screams, Simon! And Simon replies with, Help! And suddenly, electric bolts surround Gabriel, rapidly, over and over again, sucking him through a vortex of lights. 
the same vortex from before, taking him again through the tunnel of cosmic pathways into speeds of the unknown, faster and faster forward as it stops in pitch blackness, and Gabriel's body appears inside a gas chamber. He quickly stands, punches the glass, leaving a huge crack as he screams, TAKE ME BACK! On the next episode, Gabriel is back in the present time, fighting to get back to the love he has finally found. But now, there are questions and more experiments from those who want to keep him. Stay tuned for the next episode of Gabriel. <laughs>